Hello everybody, this is Pastor Jeff Dahl, Senior Pastor of Stockbridge Community Church. I want to say thank you for joining us online. It is our prayer that today's message would be helpful and meaningful to your life. If you're in the South Atlanta area, I would personally like to invite you to come to one of our Sunday services at 9 a.m., 10.30 a.m., or 12 p.m. If you'd like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply click the Give Online link at the upper right-hand corner in your web browser. And let me say it again, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, welcome to Stockbridge Community Church. My name is Brandon Keller, for those of you that don't know me. I've been uh, coming to this church for about 10 years now, and I started uh, just coming with my wife and started working in the sound booth, and so I've been working in the sound booth and light booth for about 10 years now, so everything you see that's not actual musicians and singers, the sound and the lights and all that stuff, uh, that's myself and my team up there making that happen. I love serving on that team. I also have the privilege of being the youth director here for our youth group, which is called 155. For those of you that don't know, we have a, a great youth group here with uh, tons of fun teenagers. Every Sunday night we meet here from 6 to 8 p.m. We have about 50 to 80 teenagers that show up, and they have their own little worship service, and they meet in connect groups, and we just have a great time doing that. Um, so you may know me from that. Uh, you may also know me as the husband of Tawny Keller, um, because uh, my wife, Tawny, is Pastor Jeff's personal assistant and also the church's accountant. So some of you may know Tawny, but uh, I'm the other half of that pair. So Welcome to Stockbridge Community Church. We're glad you guys are here. So today you're going to hear kind of a tag team of a message. You're going to hear from me first, and then you're going to hear from my good buddy Chris Woodson. He's going to finish things off. So today we're talking about Mission Impossible. I love the Mission Impossible series of movies. Anybody here like the Mission Impossible series of movies? Good, good. Whether you like Tom Cruise or not, you've got to love Ethan Hunt. He always uh, finds his way to get out of problems. I actually wanted to come out and do some of the stunts from Mission Impossible, like hanging from a wire or maybe like, ride a motorcycle through a wall of flames, but uh, church said, no, I couldn't do that stuff. Something about liability insurance. I don't know. Anyway, so you're just going to get me preaching from the stage today. So today we're going to give you a message, and it's the five truths that make going from ordinary to extraordinary. So five truths that will help you go from ordinary to extraordinary. Now, I couldn't find a chapter in the Bible on Ethan Hunt, so we're going to have to uh, pick a different character, so we're going to be talking today about Noah, because he did something that was able to go from ordinary to extraordinary. So let me give you a little backstory before we start with Noah. Adam and Eve have been thrown out of the Garden of Eden, as you may have heard or, or read at some point, and it's been about a thousand years or roughly ten generations since then, and things are bad. I mean... The world is in a real bad spot. Uh, there is just a ton of sin just covering the earth, and, and, and God is not happy with what he's seen. And so I'm not going to go into all the gory details. There's some crazy stuff happening in the Bible, so I encourage you to read the beginning of chapter uh, 6 of Genesis. There's some crazy stuff happening. It's like 50 shades of crazy. It's that bad. So just take my word for it. Uh, you, you need to read the first uh, part of Genesis 6. So we're going to pick up the story, though, at Genesis 6, 5, and 8. And it says this. It says, The Lord observed the extent of human wickedness, wickedness on the earth, and he saw that everything that they thought or imagined, everything they thought or imagined, was consistently and totally evil. So the Lord was sorry he had ever made them, and he 
and that he had ever put them on the earth. It broke his heart. Now, I could do a whole sermon just on that one line, it broke his heart, because that's how God feels about sin, but we're not doing that message today, so we'll keep going. And the Lord said, I will wipe this human race I have created from the face of the earth. Yes, I will destroy every living thing, all the people, the large animals, the small animals that scurry among the ground, even the birds of the sky. I am sorry I ever made them. God's pretty upset because God is a loving God for him to be uh, thinking these thoughts. He's pretty upset with what's going on. So, but here's the key line of this entire verse that we're talking about. But Noah found favor with the Lord. But Noah found favor with the Lord. So all this stuff is going on, but Noah found favor with the Lord. So we're six chapters into the Bible. Bible's pretty big. Things have gone really bad, but Noah found favor with the Lord. And let's talk about why that happened. And that's point number one on your outline. And point number one is, I am not a product of my environment. I am not a product of my environment. Being a product of your environment is really a choice. And I, and I know that sounds cliche. It's like, oh, you can make your own decisions. But really, being a product of your environment is a choice you need to make whether or not you're going to let that affect you or not. And we've all grown up in different environments, right? I mean, we've all had, had different childhoods or the way we were raised. And so some people here were maybe raised in, in homes that weren't loving and friendly. Maybe you were raised in an, a, an abusive home, either emotionally or physically or verbally or whatever. You are not a product of that environment. Some of you didn't have good childhoods because your parents were maybe gone. Maybe you got, ended up living with aunts and uncles or grandparents or with friends or whatever, and you didn't have a relationship with your parents. You are not a product of that environment. Maybe you grew up around a lot of drugs and alcohol, and, and you feel like that's kind of affecting the, your life direction nowadays. You are not a product of your environment. It's a choice that you can make. And as we look at Noah... Noah was dealing with the same issues, right? He was born into this environment of wickedness, as the Bible says, and he's trying to figure out how to do the right thing, and Noah had to make the choice, even though it was consistently happening, to not be a product of his environment. And so maybe you're still in that environment, and you're trying to find a way out. Maybe you're stuck in this party lifestyle, or you're with the wrong guy or girl, or, or maybe your friends are just continuing to bring you down, you need to make a choice to not be a product of that environment. And it's hard to do, but what happens if we're not careful, we'll become a victim of our environment. And nobody wants to be a victim of the environment that they were raised in or that they're currently in. So let's look back at Genesis 6 and 9, and it says, This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless person living on the earth. The only, blame, the entire earth, he's the only blameless person. And he walked in close fellowship with God. So sometimes maybe you feel like the deck is stacked against you. You're like, oh, I work with all these idiots and you know, they, you know, they just feel like I'm dragging me down or whatever. It's like, Noah was the only blameless person on the entire earth. You probably have a little bit better than that, right? I mean, there's somebody around you Look to your right or left. That's somebody right now that could probably help you. you you're, not, you're not completely alone. Noah was completely alone, the only 
blameless person living on earth. So as we talk about that and how Noah was able to move past that, that's what we need to be able to do as well. Because it's okay to have a past, and we all have a past, but it's not okay for your past to have you. And you need to be able to move past that by not being a product of your environment. You need to stand on your own. You need to find out who you are and not let what's happened to you affect you anymore. So what happens when you do that? How do you decide, okay, I'm going to stand on my own. Now what do I do? Well, now you need to do what God has designed you to do. What has God designed you to do? Well, let's look at number two on your outline. Number two says, God will give me what I need to accomplish the tasks he has given me. God is going to ask you to do some stuff in your life, but he's going to equip you with what you need to do those things that he's asked you to do. And so it's not like you're going this alone. God is saying, this is what I've designed you to do. Go do it. And here's the skills and abilities and talents that I've given you to go do those things. So we have to be careful of, you know, being too long because God has already told us what we can do. Noah was told by God, hey, you need to go collect two of every animal and uh, build this big boat because I'm about to destroy the entire earth uh, by a flood because it's going to start raining and never stop raining. Well, part of the problem was that it had never rained before. Nobody knew what rain was uh, at this time. And so I'm sure that seemed a little strange for Noah, yet he had to prepare for this. So let's see how God gave Noah instruction in the skills and the talents he needed to do it. If we read from Genesis 6.14, it says, Build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar, inside and out. Well, that helps. Then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior, because you're going to need stalls for all those animals. Make the boat 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high, and leave an 18-inch opening above the roof, all the way around. I think that's for venting all that gas and stuff. Ooh, it's got to be stinky in there. So they're going to need that 18-inch opening. Put the door on the side and build three decks inside, lower, upper, and middle. And then he says, look, I am about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. So God provided Noah very exact instructions of what he needed to do. He was building a boat that's twice as wide as this room and twice as tall as this room and ten times longer than this room that we're in. But he gave him very specific instructions and the talents and skills required to build that. And now maybe God has asked you to maybe, you know, do something. And, but I can bet you Noah thought God had asked him to do an extraordinary task. I'm sure for God, it was like, oh, I'm going to ask Noah to do this ordinary task. This is something he, I built him to do. He can do this. But for Noah, I'm sure he felt like it was an extraordinary task. Now, I know if God asked me to build anything out of wood, that would be an extraordinary task because I have zero carpentry skills. Um, so he won't be asking me to build anything out of wood. But for Noah, it wasn't a big deal. He was able to do it. So maybe God's asking you to do something extraordinary, but for him, it's, he thinks it's ordinary. But in, maybe in your mind, you've kind of built it up. Maybe you have a set of skills or abilities or talents that God has given you that you're just not using yet. How do you use those? Maybe he's asking you to be on stage, sing or dance or play an instrument or speak like I'm doing today, and he's given you those skills and abilities, but you're just not doing it yet. 
Maybe he's asked you to speak to somebody specifically about Jesus, and he's built in you the perfect testimony that that person needs to hear. And for you, that seems like an extraordinary thing, but for God, it's ordinary because he's built you to do that. He's given you what you need to do that. One of the things I've found when I've been here in the church and as I've learned to kind of be a Christian, I think, is that if you walk around and you spot needs, anybody ever walked around and kind of seen that something needs to be done? I, I tend to find that what happens is the reason you spot that need is because God's created in you the ability to usually fulfill that need. Like if I walk out of here and be like, oh, that needs to be painted. God's not saying, Brandon, you should point that out so somebody else should paint it. He's saying, Brandon, maybe you should paint that. So be careful because when you start spotting needs, it's usually because God's calling you to meet those needs. But he's equipped you to meet those needs. I remember the first time I ever served in this church, like 10 years ago, right after I started, Pastor Jeff said, hey, we're going to have, you know, we need to get some work done around here. I need all the guys to show up on a Saturday. We've got to get some work done here at the building. We've got some building problems or whatever. And by the way, bring a shovel. Okay, well, I've been coming to church for like three months. I'm like, okay, that's weird. They need my shovel. Sweet, I'll show up with a shovel. So I show up. It seems to be the hottest day of the year that day. And we had to dig a trench like five feet deep and two feet wide across the entire back of the building to put in new French drains in the back of the building. It was probably the hardest manual labor I had ever done in my whole life. Um, but it was fun because I got to meet a bunch of people. And, but that's all that I had the ability to do at that point. God said, hey, here's a need that Brandon can do. He just needs to bring a shovel. Now, one more time I came to one of those events where Pastor Jeff said, hey, bring a shovel. And we dug another ditch. After that, I told him, I'm not coming to any more serving events where you say bring a shovel. So be careful if Pastor Jeff says, come serve, bring a shovel, because it's going to be some manual labor. But if you're looking for a way to maybe get involved and start serving, you're not sure what God is, you know, giving you, bestowed on you as a talent or, or a skill set, we have an event coming up this Saturday called Pump It Up, and it is so much fun. It's a great outreach event. It's really built so we can reach the community, and we'll have tons and tons of hundreds of people coming through here buying gas at a cheaper price, and it's great as an outreach, but what I've found after serving at that event for a couple years now it is so much fun as a fellowship serving event. How many people here have served at Pump It Up? Raise your hand. That is awesome. It is so much fun. I always go home from that event with a better relationship with somebody that I never got a chance on a Sunday morning to spend time talking with them, but now I have a relationship with them because we spent a couple hours serving together and having fun. Maybe it's hot outside, but we didn't care. We were drinking water, but we always have so much fun serving at that event. So if you have not stepped up and found a place to serve in this church, try coming next Saturday morning and serving at Pump It Up. It is so much fun. You'll make a difference in the community. You'll become part of the church. Watch this video on what earlier this year Pump It Up looked like. Didn't that look like a lot of fun? Did that look like a lot of fun to y'all? I got y'all. Okay, I'm coming. Hey, um, before I even get started, I want to do something kind of crazy. Um, I, Brandon just talked about the, uh, uh, the what. So I want to go ahead and give you this, this third truth real quick, and then we'll get to the crazy thing. The third truth is uh, God will give me who I need to accomplish the tasks he has given me. 
Now, you guys are in a special service, because this is the only service I'm going to say this today. Uh, my parents are here, and uh, they just celebrated their 33rd wedding anniversary. Can we give some applause? 33 years, right? Now that I have uh, fulfilled my obligation as a son to embarrass my parents in front of the whole church, uh, Genesis 6, Genesis 6 verse 18 says this, I will confirm my covenant with you, so enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and their wives, bring a pair of every kind of animal, a male and a female, into the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood. That Pump It Up video is such a great example of what it's like when, when people come together and serve together, and we reach out into the community and, and kind of branch out. But what I'm seeing here is it, it's not just about the what, but it's also the who. We need people in our lives, amen? We need people in our lives to encourage us. We, we need people in our lives to support us when we're at, in some rough times or... I don't know about you, but I like support even in the good times. I like to know that I always have a safety net. And you get that uh, uh, by, by allowing people into your life. As a matter of fact, in our movie today, in, uh, Mission Impossible, before I get to that, has anybody noticed that they've achieved or they've, they've completed the impossible mission like seven times now? Has anybody else got that? I mean, I'm pretty sure the first one of those suckers was on VHS, okay? Um, for our younger people, VHS was this large... Okay. <laughs> no, but here's the thing. Ethan Hunt could have never accomplished this stuff by himself. Never could he have done these things by himself. He had to have people in his life. And in Noah's life, God gave him his family. And if you're saying, well, Chris, I don't really have a family or I live really far from my family, you're surrounded by your family this morning. That's what we are. So there are people in your lives. And, and you know, I, I've learned a lot of things. As a matter of fact, a few years ago, we had a staff transition here at uh, Stockbridge Community. And and, and some kind of, some parts, some moving parts were, were rearranged to make everything work. And as a volunteer at the time in our student ministry, I was working uh, as a volunteer along with Brandon, uh, who was out here. That was that older, less good-looking gentleman that was out here just a moment ago. No, nah, that's, that's, that's my buddy. My wife says we have a bromance, whatever that means. But, um, <clears throat> excuse me, Brandon, Brandon's my buddy. But anyway, so, uh, you know. We, people get put into our lives, and, and Pastor Chesney was there. So we, we kind of threw out the old the concept of one person making all these decisions for teenagers, which if you've ever worked with teenagers, just making one decision that makes all of them happy, it doesn't exist. But if, if all of you, we, we have a team and we work together, and that synergy was just great, and I think we've accomplished some awesome stuff because I know your kids, and they're great. I say that all the time, and I will every chance I get. So... Uh, another thing, uh, so that, that's God putting the right people in the right place. Another thing, and if you have or are participating in a connect group, keep in mind I'm biased because I am the group's director here, but uh, it, that connect group, that's the right people in your life. Different points in my life when, when I thought my wife was never going to leave the hospital when we had our son, the story for another sermon, but when, I, when, when that happened, when, uh, when, when my kid got sick and had to have some ear surgeries and stuff like that, you know, all these things have happened. And throughout all of that, throughout all of that, different groups of people uh, in my connect groups were there to support me. So just like Noah, I was blessed enough to have people in my life. Another thing, uh, another group around here, uh, we got about a group of about seven guys. And those seven guys uh, are all actually up here on the stage in some capacity this morning. Uh, two of them can, are not musically inclined, so they're actually preaching today's message to you. 
Um, the other five, though, were out here just a moment ago. And uh, here's the thing. You know, they say that those who can teach, or those who can do, and those who can't teach. Well, I've heard that said about music, and, and here's what I get in, in our little group of guys, right? Uh, those who can do, and those who can't preach. So that's kind of what we're doing this morning, is me and Brandon are, are bringing the message, and uh, that was supposed to be way funnier than y'all acted like it was. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, uh, see, y'all thought I was going for something serious. I, sorry. They got part of it. I'm still working on y'all. We're going to get there, though. Don't worry. But here's the thing. There's so many times in our lives where we need somebody to lean on, where we need somebody. And have, isn't there a time where you could think of right now? There's more than likely multiple scenarios, but one most important one that stands out in your mind right now of a time where you needed somebody to lean on, and that person was there. And maybe it was somebody from your connect group. Maybe it was somebody, uh, we, I, I kind of coined the phrase, uh, that group of guys, we're not very serious ever. So we're, we're more of an accountability group than, a clown, than, than an accountability group. We just joke around and make laughs. And sometimes in your life, that's what you need. You just need somebody that's going to make you smile. And, and unfortunately, some of us don't, may not have that at home. You may not have that at work. Uh, most people, I don't think, have that at work. But what we do, we need those people in our lives to build us up and make us happy and to help us along with our life. And God, that's exactly what God gave Noah. God gave him a family. He gave him a support system. We always call it the story of Noah's Ark. It really should be called Noah and his family's Ark, okay? Because if I'm one of his sons and I help build that stinking boat, you better give me some credit for it, okay? So it's really Noah, uh, Ham, Shem, Japheth, and all the rest of the family's Ark, okay? But ultimately, it's God's Ark, but we'll get to that. But what I was saying is, is sometimes you, need, you, you feel like you need somebody to lean on. And every, at every service here today, at, during the final song, so after, I, after you guys are no longer forced to listen to me preach, um, we're going to have people come down front, and they'll, they're, they want to pray with you. They, they love you before you ever come up here. You know, they've been praying all week for a chance to pray with you, and they don't even know who you are yet. So they'll be up here, and I want to encourage you, if you need that prayer today, to take a step out of the aisle, come down, and pray with them. They'll be down here. Genesis 6, and I put, this, I put this, uh, this verse in. You can kind of leave it out and still tell this message, but I think it's so much better with it. Uh, Genesis 6, says this. So Noah did, say this word with me, everything exactly as God had commanded. What did Noah do? Every, I got y'all. I told you. I told you. Noah did everything. Wouldn't it be nice? Parents, wouldn't it be nice if your kids did everything you commanded them? Not just that they did it, but they did it the way you commanded them to do it, okay? Because cleaning up your room does not mean throwing everything under the bed, even though it did for me. It doesn't mean sweeping it all in the closet, because somebody, at some point, mom goes to the closet, opens it up, and just, y'all know it's happened, okay? But it would be so great if people would just do what we, what, what we command them. You people in management, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But don't you think God sometimes feels that way about us? That it would be pretty sweet if that person that I gave an ability to worship me and to lead worship would step up and do it. It would be pretty sweet if that person that, that is so hospitable would open up their homes and, and lead a connect group or, or, or that person who is just so happy would stand out front and shake hands and, and, and smile at people when they came in on a Sunday morning. I think God says that a lot. Here's another thing. God has offered us a very, very basic second next step in our faith. And it's, it's all about obedience. 
brings us to our memory verse. Now, I can't emphasize this enough. I think this memory verse is a prayer that, that we should all, you know, pray every day. And it's very short. It says this, Psalm 51, 2. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. I, I was concerned that some people may not know what that word iniquity means because I had to Google it. Because it's just not a word that we use very often. And, and here's my translation for you guys this morning. Wash away all my junk. Wash away all my meat. And cleanse me from my sin. Next Sunday morning, if you'll pull out your connection card and look at the back, next Sunday morning we're going to have baptism here. It's a, it's a next step. It, it's a small thing. With it, 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 And I want to say this. There's, a mis, there, there's kind of a misnomer about baptism. Baptism doesn't save you. Because if you go into that water and you haven't accepted Christ into your heart, you just come out a wet sinner. But, 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 baptism shows the world what's going on in your life right now. Baptism shows the world, I'm following Jesus. I made that decision. I've crossed over. I've, I've crossed the line. I'm, I'm following Christ. Baptism does that. Baptism shows the world that you have been cleansed of your sin. And so I really, I want to encourage you guys, whether you've done it before or you've never done it, it's the second, Jesus even did it. We follow Christ, right? We follow Christ, right? Jesus did it. That's the second thing he did. Obviously, he was already saved. He was already saved, but that was the, that was the first thing he did. Number four, the fourth truth that, that will take uh, ordinary and make it extraordinary in the story and in your life says this, God is always faithful to his word. I just want, can you guys read number four with me and say it like you mean it? God is always faithful to his word. And aren't we thankful of that? Aren't we thankful that if God tells you he's going to do something, he's going to do it? I'm thankful that I, I, I'm thankful that uh, when, when, I, when my time comes and I pass away, you know, God forbid it happens anytime soon, but it could. I'm thankful that I don't have to worry about what happens then. And look, I'm going to go ahead and tell y'all. In the event, you're still around. When it happens to me, please don't be sad. Because I'm going to be doing way better than you are. <laughs> Amen? Sorry, I, we, we've had a string of funerals lately, and, and, and it, it just really got me thinking about that. God is so faithful to his word. He's so faithful to his word. Watch, what it, watch, uh, watch him come through for Noah here. All the living things on earth died. Say that word with me. Died. All the living things on earth died. Birds, domestic animals, wild animals, small animals that scurry along the ground, and all the people. Everybody was dead. We tell this story to our kids like a bedtime story. Y'all think about how sick that is. This is, a, this is a horror story. We tell our kids this. I, I can even remember, and it drove me so nuts. Uh, and it, I used to, in turn, drive my wife nuts about it. My son Christian, he had this little toy, and it was a Noah's Ark. It was a Fisher-Price, which I thought was kind of crazy. Fisher-Price, Noah's Ark, that just doesn't... Okay, so it, he had this... It had lions. They were, like, hanging out the window, waving and smiling. <laughs> The people were in the window next to the lions, and they were happy about it? Lion, okay, uh, true Hollywood story. That lion was looking over in that next window ready for dinner, okay? It was not a beautiful story. People died. Everything on earth died. 
Listen to this. Everything that breathed and lived on dry land died. God wiped out every living thing on the earth. And he repeats it. People, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground and the birds of the sky, all were destroyed. The only people who survived were Noah and those with him in the boat. God was faithful to his word. He told Noah, if you build it, if you build it, I'm going to use it to save you. If you'll be obedient, I'm going to use it to carry on life in this world after I'm done handling this business right here. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't a beautiful story. But it was real. And it was necessary for God to get us to where we are right now today. It was his form of salvation to the world, and he was faithful to do that. Later on, he would send his son. Once again, he was faithful. Later on, he would send his son. His son would die so that we could all be made right with him. And uh, that's, that's a, it's a gruesome tale, but it's true, just like Noah. This morning, you don't have to leave here wondering if you got a seat on the ark. This morning, we put a prayer in your outline, and if you would like to ask Christ into your heart for the first time, I'd like you to pray this with me, please. Uh, it says here, and, and, you know, if you do pray this, just flip over your connection card and check that. I want to pray for you this week. It's that simple. I want to pray for you this week. Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. Guide my life and help me to do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. The fifth truth, the fifth truth that, that will take ordinary and make it extraordinary this morning. And this is, this is so powerful. God's covenant with us is a public one, not a private one. I've heard people say that they couldn't get involved in the church because they, they just couldn't get along or they just couldn't dig in with organized religion, to which I asked them, would you prefer it to be disorganized? And y'all laugh, but I'm serious. I love my organization. That's, that's one of my spiritual gifts is administration. I can't stand it when things are out of place. Brandon was talking earlier about when you walk in, you see something that needs to be done. I'm the guy, and this is the, the beauty of the gift of administration. You don't have to know how to fix stuff. You just, know, you just need to know how to contact somebody that knows how to fix stuff. And I'm really good at that. I'm your guy. I can use the yellow pages like nobody's business. God's covenant with us is a public one. We're not called to keep that in. We're called to share that. As a matter of fact, this is what he said to Noah in verse 9, uh, chapter 9, verse 7. He said, now be fruitful and multiply and repopulate the earth. Now, we know what kind of repopulating the earth he was talking about. Sermon for another time. But we know what he was saying. He was saying, look, you guys are all that's left, and I've delivered the world, okay? I've used this ark to save you. I've used this ark to save you. And what they didn't know is that in the future, he was going to send Jesus to do it for everybody that wasn't there on the ark. But here's what's so cool about that. God is always about multiplication. He said, go and be fruitful and multiply. And in this, in this tense, he's talking about repopulating the world. God is never about division. And in our nation's current political climate, we're all about division. And I don't care what side of the seat you sit or what side of the room you're sitting on. It's all about division. And it's not just here. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm, you know, God bless America. It's like this all over the world, though. People are divided more today over, over things than they ever have been before. 
There are more people that can't decide what they believe in than ever before. And there's a solution for that, and it's right here. When Jesus later says this, and this is a different form of multiplication, but it really does mean the same thing. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. Make disciples of who? All the nations. If we're making disciples of the nations, I say we start in our community. What do you say? Make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. It's one of the most powerful verses in all the Bible. Be sure of this. I am with you. Always. I'm not with you sometimes. I'm not with you when it's convenient. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I don't know exactly how long the age is, but I'm glad to know he's going to be with me until we get there. Aren't you? Y'all can get excited this morning, aren't you? Praise God. Praise God that we're not by ourselves in this. Praise God that he's given us who and what we need. And here's the thing that I didn't mention today. No matter your politics or preferences, if you're in this room this morning, you're part of the church. You're part of the church. Here's the thing. The church is what the world is begging for, whether they know it or not. No matter what side, no, no, no matter what line you stand in to vote, no matter what your stance is on the small issues or the big issues for that matter, we serve a God who's bigger than all of that. And he's with you no matter which side you're standing on. He's given us who, he's given us what. But here's the thing, the ark, all those years ago, the ark was our source of salvation. The church is today's source to come to that salvation, okay? We're the change that the world is begging for. We're what they need. We're the who, we're the what, we're the why, and Christ is the how. The only question I have for you this morning is when. We can leave here today and we take this out here. I want to challenge everybody in here. From this day forward, you stop coming to church. And you start being the church. You leave here and you are the church. And if if all of us, imagine what the world would look like if everybody in a church would start being the church. And if you're already doing this, God bless you. But if you're not, join me in doing it starting today. Be the church. Wherever you're at, be the church. Say that with me. Be the church. Who's the church? You are. You're the church. And you're what the world's begging for. We're going to leave here as the modern-day ark, offering salvation to the world through Christ. Would you guys stand? I want to pray with you this morning before we close out. Father God, thank you so much for the opportunity to not just be here, but to really be here, to experience you in new ways, to grow our faith in you, and to take that out of here on a wave as the ark offering people the only source of salvation that they'll ever be able to truly have. Offering them you through our actions, through our lives, through our service, through our attitudes. Lord, we want people to see you when they look at us. That's what makes the ordinary extraordinary. It's you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's worship. Thank you again so much for joining us online at SCC. I would love to know that you're out there listening and be able to connect with you. If you would, 
email me at jeffdawes at sccview.net. The spelling of my name is J-E-F-F-D-A-W-S. I pray you have a blessed week and join us again soon.